You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'm going to have Brother Avery come. Let's give him our attention. Looking forward to hearing from, from God's Word and from the Lord tonight. Brother Avery, you come on. So... Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to preach. I am excited and, as you can see, nervous. So, and so, I just want to thank each and every one of you for just your prayers. And I know being away at school and not being able to be at your home church, it's kind of rough. But just being able to come back and see some um, faces that I've seen for a while and some new faces as well. It's really great to see y'all. Amen. And if you have your Bible, Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. If you would please stand. We'll read verses 17 through 28. Matthew 20, verses 17 through 28. Verse 17, it says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And, he, and shall we deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him? And the third day he shall rise again. Amen. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou and she saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit at thy right hand, the one on the one hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they saith unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink uh, indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall be not so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father God, we want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the time we could come together around your word. Thank you for how great and how precious it is and how it has the words of life, Lord. And I pray you'll just bless this time. We pray you'll just touch this um, time together. And I pray you'll use me. I pray you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord, so they only see you, Lord. I pray that you'll just bless this time and just be fruitful and your word go forth and touch lives tonight. We love you. We pray your, these blessings on tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, during World War II, England needed to increase production of coal. Winston Churchill called together labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and and then go on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots who had driven the Luwafel from the sky. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. Someone would cry from the crowd, and where were you during this struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. You see, not all jobs in a church are glamorous or are um, just prominent. And so with, so we see that with this, we see that all jobs are different. You know, pastor preaches. Someone may be in the nursery. So, but we all have our different jobs that we have in the church. Right. My freshman year of Bible college, so this was about five years ago, I, would, I sang on a ensemble, men's ensemble group, and we sang Haven of Rest. And... Sorry for that. And we sang Haven of Rest. And it was pretty good. I mean, Lord really blessed that. But I left that song thinking, man, what a good song that was. Look what I, I mean, if you would have heard it, it would have been men just singing. And for me, I was like, wait till they, wait till I get to hear what they thought of it was. Wait till they tell me what, how good I did. And nobody really did, you know? And nobody really said, hey, that was a great, great song, great song, you know? And at first I'm like, what's going on? It's been a week and nobody has said anything about this song. Something's wrong. 
it was silly that I was seeking recognition from something that I did. And I wanted the praise and glory. I wanted the ambiance or the great job. So, and you may say, well, that's kind of prideful. Well, looking back, I would agree with you. But in our passage, it is no different than what James and John are doing. In our passage, we see that in verse 20, we see that their selfish request. I'll read verses 20 and 21. Then came to him after, then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on their left in thine kingdom. So this passage is a parallel passage of Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. In that passage, we see that it was James and John that went to him and asked of the request. And in our passage today, we see that they sent, in actuality, they sent their mother to ask the question. And that could be a way of just trying to presume not in a way of prideful, but in actuality, that is very prideful. In a way that, hey, James and John, hey, let's send our mom to ask this question of God. <laughs> and so we see that this request, it was, it was selfish. It was a selfish request that they wanted to get something from God. And I know that at times... I'm the same way. I can ask God for something that I know is selfish, but I ask it anyway. And we see later in verse 21, he grants it. He let her ask it. And, but nonetheless, <clears throat> we see that it was James and John who went to Jesus for the request. And we see that um, selfish service requires external rewards. True service, true service rests contented in hiddenness. We see that their question was self-centered and for sure, but notice the Lord's answer to, him, to them. Verses 22 and 23. But Jesus said unto him, ye know not what ye ask, you don't know what you're asking. You shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand is not mine to give. Yes. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. <clears throat> and we see that Jesus' answer, it wasn't really what James and John were thinking of. You know, they were like, we're going to go to Jesus. He's going to say yes. 
and we're going to enjoy being at God's level. And we see that Jesus' response was different. When he says in verse 23, you shall drink indeed of my cup. This word cup has some, it has a um, definition of a lot or fate. So when Jesus was going to drink of the cup in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. And this was a cup that he knew that, you know, God didn't try to skirt past death, but he knew that he had to die and it was going to be a painful death. And what, God, what Jesus is saying to James and John is, you shall indeed drink of my cup, meaning you will suffer. You will suffer for my sake. You will suffer for the glory of God. And we see that they sure did. In Acts, we see that James was baptized, I'm sorry, not baptized, was crucified upside down. And then John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Right. That's right. So we sure do see that they got, they were suffered, they suffered for sure. Yeah, right. And I, today, I can say this with 100% certainty. We will suffer for God's sake, for Christ's sake. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to go past it. It is something that is glorious because we are suffering for God. And we are suffering in service. And we see that because they wanted to sit on either side of Jesus, James and John wanted to be served and not to serve. Right. We may look at James and John and say, that was a selfish request. That was, how could they have done that? Well, let's not forget, they were human. Yes, they were with Jesus all the time, but they still had that flesh in them. And we do too. You know, we are saved, but we still have that flesh that wars against our spirit and how we want things, we want to be seen. But in, when at the end of the day, it comes to the point of why, why are we serving? Who are, why are we serving God? And you see that it may bring work. It will work. And you may be here, you may be working on grounds at your job, or you may be working at a factory, or you may be a mechanic, or whatever job you have, why are you doing that? Why are you going to your job day by day? Why, what is the purpose of that job? Is it to have others see you, or... Is it because I'm going to, to do this job, I'm going to do my best because God deserves it and I know he is worthy. Amen, that's good. <laughs> so we see that 
all, as I said in the beginning, all jobs are different. You know, pastor preaches, and uh, Ms. Anderson plays on the piano, and Ms. Catherine's on the organ. They're up here, but their job is no different than yours, wherever you may be. If you're in the nursery, if you're in junior church, if you're teaching a Sunday school, but wherever it may be, your job is no less important than theirs. Right. And you may have a, a way of saying like, yeah, but I don't get praised for that. I don't get praised for changing a diaper in the nursery or I don't get praised for just whatever it may be, but are you serving for man's praising or God's praises? And God's praises is a lot more gratifying than man's praises. And so I'm going to read this, and I don't want it to be lengthy, but I'm going to read this, and hope you can pay attention. Maria Dyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China, where her parents were missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl, and she sent back to England to be raised by an uncle. The loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. At the age of 16, she, along with her sister, returned to China to work in a girls' school as missionaries. Five years later, she married Hudson Taylor, a man well known today for his life of ministry, faith, and sacrifice. Hudson and Maria's work were often criticized, even by other Christians. At one point, Maria wrote, as to the harsh judgments of the world, or even the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. Of their nine children, four survived to adulthood. Maria herself died of cholera when she was just 43, but she believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice. On her marker, on her grave marker, were these words, for her to live was Christ and to die was gain. In a day where many are self-absorbed and care more about what they can rather get more than what they can give, um, she was one that gave for the cause of Christ. You know, that story is powerful. See how she was so ready, no matter the cause, no matter the pain, she served God till the end. And, no, that's a great story and very inspiring, but I want to see the greatest sacrifice and the greatest meaning of service. Let's read verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You may think that your job wherever you are, is little, is meaningless. Or you may be someone that is at a job and you feel important. You feel like you should get praise. But when we really think about it, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He, he embodied the meaning of service. He embodied 
the meaning of humility. And for us to say, my job is more important than pastors, or my job is more important than this brothers or sisters, that's wrong. All jobs are equally the same. They may, people may be up here, but they're all the same. And it all depends on who you're serving. The death he bore upon himself for us, the crown of thorns that were placed in his skull, the, the nails that were in his hands and feet, the spear in his side, the cat of nine tails on his back. He did that for you and for me. Yes. And that is, to this day, and will always be the greatest act of service anyone has ever, ever done. Yes. <clears throat> A wrong view of Jesus will make us want to be served rather than to serve. Every church is filled with willing people, some willing to work, and others willing to let them. My heart, you know, my heart is for us all to serve the Lord. And it is a great thing to serve the Lord. Serving God is the greatest thing on earth. There's no job that is any better than that. And so you may be here and you may be wondering, I only, you know, I work in the nursery. What, is, what does that have to do with serving God? Well, I know their parents really appreciate the diapers you change, ma'am, and the time you spend with those kids, it is invaluable. You are watching those kids grow up. They'll go from the nursery to the junior church, and then they'll be in the youth group, and then they'll be in college, and they'll graduate. You are doing a great service for God. And for those that are, don't be discouraged. If you're in, if you're serving God and you're at the point of nobody really likes, nobody tells me great job, nobody really notices me, I would say you're, I would say that you're doing that because you want to be served and not to serve. You want to be noticed, not for God's glory, but for man's glory. And For those that are just, you have your hand to the plow, you're serving God, you've been there for 10, 20, 30 years, keep doing that. God's going to reward you. And it's easy to get get discouraged. It is. I've been discouraged too, you know. And it's just, why are we serving? And that's the greatest, that's the question that I believe that we can ponder if we ask ourselves, why are we serving, it will help us to come to the point of, I'm serving God because I love him and I want to see his kingdom planted and to grow. Serve God out of a heart of love and that will affect how you serve. No matter how great your position may be, no matter how great your job is, how you serve and why you serve will matter. Serve God because you want to, you want to serve and not be served. Um, 
I will pray, and then we will have the instrumentals come up, and we'll, we'll begin with the invitation. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the time to come together around your word, Lord. Thank you for how great and precious it is and how wonderful it is and how it changes lives. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this night. We thank you for the word of God and how it can um, just pierce lives and change lives, Lord. We pray you'll bless this night. We set the invitation. We pray you'll just move in hearts and work in hearts in the only way you can, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.